finance is my discipline, so I can tell you that uh, it's a vast field. And the fact that we have four programs uh, at the master's level at the University of Toronto specializing in finance is really a testimony to just how vast this field is. And the fact that there are very specific focuses and nuances uh, that will probably dictate which one of these programs is actually the right program for you. So with that in mind, uh, I would like to introduce uh, our four panelists, each of whom is the director of their respective programs. And then we're gonna proceed with some questions for our panelists. Um, I have questions I'm gonna ask of them and then we'll open the floor for questions from you toward the end. As Oriana said, given that today is Remembrance Day and we know that the University of Toronto has ceremonies beginning at 10.30, we're gonna try and wrap up by 10.30. We may or may not succeed completely. Uh, but for sure, if you have program specific questions, uh, the reason we present the information related to more individualized sessions for each of these programs is so that you can avail yourself of that and follow up with specific questions for each of them if you have them. So this is really about compare and contrast across the four programs uh, and hoping that you get the information you're looking for so you can make an informed decision about which one is right for you. So with that, it's my great pleasure to introduce each of our four panelists. Uh, we have Professor Mondria from the Master of Financial Economics across the street from the Rotman School on St. George Street and coming out of the Department of Economics. We have Professor Jaimongo from the Master of Financial Insurance, which is down the street on St. George Street. We have Professor Luis Seco from the Master of Mathematical Finance, uh, also close by. And finally, my colleague at Rotman, Professor Heather Ann Irwin, who is the director for the Master of Financial Risk Management. So with that, please join me in welcoming all four panelists and we'll get started with our questions. Okay, so the first question that I wanna ask each of the panelists for the benefit of those listening in and trying to sort out which of these programs is actually the right one for them. Could each of you give perhaps just a brief overview of your program? So maybe I'll start with Professor Mondria. Very good. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, attending here and thanks a lot for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me tell you like just briefly a little bit about the MFE. Uh, so the MFE is an 18 month professional program offered by the Department of Economics in collaboration with uh, Rotman. We offer a very unique uh, curriculum. So basically students will take uh, courses from uh, our MA in economics and MBA courses at Rodman. Uh, the program has a mandatory internship and we put lots of emphasis on professional development. Um, a new thing from this year is that we, the program starts in July and uh, this is mostly for recruiting purposes. Um, basically, we had banks that wanted to meet our students earlier and earlier every year, so we decided to move the start date from September to July to, to prepare students better for, uh, for this recruiting. And uh, we have a long legacy, basically, like the program has been here uh, for uh, 20 years, for over 20 years, we have uh, like a big uh, alumni network and our alumni are very active and committed. So this is a little bit about our program. Thank you. Um, Professor Jaimangu? Sure, good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here. And uh, well, I shouldn't say good morning because as we said, people are all over the planet. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And uh, I'll say also just a few words about our program. It is, as all of these programs, we're all professional programs here. Ours is 12 month, 
So we start in September and the program, as the name suggests, is kind of a combination, if you will, or an interface of finance and insurance. And what's not in the title of the program is the big data science component. So our program really has at its core a data science component that branches into how this interacts in the finance and insurance world. Uh, there's also a summer internship component as part of this that's part of the 12 month. Uh, we are perhaps the youngest, if not tied for the youngest. Uh, we're currently in year six of our cohort. And this, uh, if you applied and were admitted, you'd be part of our, our seventh cohort. So that's a little bit about us and I'll pass it on. Thank you, Professor Jaimago. Professor Irwin? Morning, everyone. It's morning for me. Um, so the Masters of Financial Risk is a 10-month program that starts in September and goes to the end of June. Um, we have typical eight months of classes that you would have somewhat in, in a normal undergraduate program, except that in the middle, in January, we have a nine-week internship where you work for, in a company, it's an industry project where you work for a company, and one of the key things about this is that you do a specific project that the company wants done. We find the projects for you. So every student is guaranteed a project as well, this year, myself and next year's academic director, Ing Ha, found them this year for our students. Uh, the classes are taught by Rotman faculty as, as well as several industry professionals. And that is where I'll leave it here, but we have lots more information, of course. Thank you. Professor Seko? So we are MMF. We are the second oldest program at the University of Toronto after the um, MFE. We were conceived in 1985 and we were born in 1988 as a fast 12-month program that uh, combines a professional approach uh, with an internship um, for those students with strong math and uh, finance skills, looking for initially for trading and risk management jobs, but then we expanded into asset management and other parts of the, of the financial sector. Over time, uh, we have also expanded into fintech, regtech, blockchains, and some of the most innovative aspects of the financial sector from a technology perspective and expanding beyond education. We're very active in networking, giving communication and business skills to our students, embracing the world of artificial intelligence, data analysis, and all of those things that are developing now in the technology sector. Uh, we are, I guess, legendary for our uh, industry receptions, our MMF symposium at Blue Mountain. And we basically like to do, you know, help our students uh, with, with their careers uh, making sure that their success is our success. Thank you. Since you already started actually alluding to my next question, I'm just going to continue with Professor Seiko. My next question was around what would you consider the ideal background for a candidate for, for your program? And what skills or knowledge would you recommend to an incoming student so that they can uh, hit the ground running, for a lack of a better way of saying it? So our students typically have very strong quantitative uh, skills, very strong programming skills, and, um, and good finance. Um, <clears throat> they are hardworking. They need to have very good communication skills. Uh, a, an interview is a, a fundamental part of our admissions uh, uh, process. We need the students to have a, a passion for challenges. Uh, our program is not easy, but succeeding in the industry is not easy either. So we, we see our program as, as a very good pathway into that. 
Thank you. Professor Mandra, same question. What would you recommend in terms of background um, and how you sort of the ideal uh, background for somebody who's an MFE future student and, and what can would somebody look to have so they can hit the ground running? Yeah, so similar to all the programs. So basically we're looking for a strong academic background, um, in particular in economics, finance, math. Those are like the, the main uh, the main areas that we're looking for, but we also accept always like some other, like a couple of students with uh, different backgrounds. So like from engineering or from life sciences. So like, um, we're not looking specifically at the GPA. I know that the students pay a lot of attention to GPA. We care more about course selection uh, and that like, you took hard courses. Um, we also look at work experience. If you've had a work experience in capital markets, uh, it's not a mandatory uh, thing, but it like, it matters. And if not, we want to see what uh, kept the student busy during the undergrad. We want to see that uh, the undergrads were able to, were doing something else than just studying. We want to see their hobbies. Wh what are they good at? And, uh, and what we want to see in these applications and the, and, uh, and the interview that we have is this drive to become a leader. Like this, we want to see this drive, this passion, as uh, Luis was mentioning too, right? So it's basically like, what can you bring to the program? And... Uh, but just let me say like a few note, like a note here, like there's very few ideal candidates that satisfy every check mark for everything. So at the end of the day, we're looking for a very diverse group of students with very different skills and backgrounds so that they complement each other. So if you don't check every mark, that's still okay. Like we, like we only have a very small handful of ideal candidates and then we have, we look for a very diverse class. And just two, like two points, like if you wanna hit the ground running uh, for the program uh, is basically like, it's just something I'm guessing that it's also useful for all the programs. It's basically follow the news, follow the markets, uh, start learning the institutional knowledge and prepare for interviews. There's lots of material online about behavioral technical interviews that are, are important uh, uh, for, for the program and for your professional development. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Professor Jai Mungle, what would you advise someone in terms of uh, uh, what an ideal candidate looks like and how to be completely ready for the start of the program. Sure, um, certainly all, all of the points that Jordi mentioned and, and, and Luis uh, apply here as well, but I'll be a little more specific to, to, the pro to our program. So yep. indeed people being trained in quantitative methods, including, you know, we really look at those courses in probability, stats and applied math. That's what our core is, although there are indeed candidates that are a bit outside of this. Uh, supplemented with some knowledge of finance and, and insurance modeling. So we don't require you to have deep knowledge of this as you come in. Your, the, the goal is that you will be trained in, in finance and insurance while you're here. If you have some data science in, sprinkled around there as well, that's great, but again, not necessary. As uh, Jordi mentioned, there is no ideal candidate, right? There's, or I should say, I shouldn't say there is not. You do sometimes find them, <laughs> but they're far and few in between. It's much more about finding, looking at a more wholesome view of the, of the candidates. Uh, communication skills, as all of our programs, we interview students and we'd like to see that they're able to actually communicate ideas and not just sit and do pencil and paperwork, right? That's a key aspect because this is a professional program. This drive and this be able, being able to persevere in challenging environments uh, with a lot of different deadlines coming at you, this is a skill that, that we look for in candidates as well, because there is a lot going on when you're 
in these programs. You're taking coursework, you have projects, you're doing interviews, you're doing professional development sessions, all of these things. So being able to have great time management skills is something that, that, that we're also looking at. In terms of what, uh, what um, skills in, that they would like to come in with in order to hit the ground running. So of course, brush up on your probability stats, math, whatever you learned, particularly in your last year, because that's gonna come immediately into play. Get your programming up to, up to par if it's not there, Python, R, MATLAB, uh, learn about version control, GitHub, do some readings in financial markets, insurance markets. And as, as Jordy mentioned as well, make sure that you do all of those sort of soft business skill prep. Learn about how to, carry, how to conduct yourself in an interview. Read up on how to prepare a, a splendid resume. Do all of those things before you get here. So I think uh, that covers most of what, what we'd be looking for and uh, we can continue conversation after. Thank you. Um, I guess I'm, I'm smiling a little bit because I think for a lot of it, what we refer to as soft skills are actually remarkably hard for a lot of us, right? And, and they're really hard to learn if that's not your sort of natural space. So I smile a little bit when people talk about soft skills, because in my head, I'm saying, yeah, but they're really hard for a lot of us. Uh, Professor Irwin, you're the last one, same question. <laughs> okay. So as all the other programs are, ours is a, quite a quantitative program. And, uh, but a little bit different than the other in that we, of course, because we're called the masters of financial risk, we do have a very strong uh, financial emphasis and maybe slightly less on the math or statistics side. Um, uh, because we are so quant oriented, so we have that as an underline, but we actually, just to give people an idea, uh, typically our students, we have about 35 to 40% come from commerce. We have economics and math, and we have engineering. We even have the odd physics student. But one of the key things is that we have four prerequisites, financial pre finance courses prerequisites that the students can have already, or they can take, we have four online courses that students can take in May and June to get those four courses. So we offer those. I would say to hit the ground running, we do not require coding. But we do, again, have an online summer um, four-week summer course that we require students to take. But the more students know about Python, I would say, is key. We have found with uh, many of our projects and actually the final jobs, coding in Python is becoming more and more important. And every year, there's been more and more requirements for our graduates to have that skill. Not for everybody, though. But in the program, we do a fair amount of assignments in Python, so it's very helpful the more you can learn ahead of time. Though again, it's not a prerequisite um, to already have done, but we encourage students when we're interviewing. We've actually started already interviewing this year for next year's class, though we have other um, deadlines. And I guess the only other thing I would say is, as Alex has talked about, and everybody, communication skills are very important, but part of the reason is in our program and probably in the others, uh, but for sure in the MFRM, we do a fair amount of group work and that sort of simulates very much what it's like when you actually get into industry. So we do, so communication skills are very important as well. So that's what I would say is the ideal candidate, but people are all different. So we take uh, quite a range of students and, and their experiences. 
Okay, thank you. So at this point, if, if I'm a member of the audience listening, um, I've got a fair amount of information and I can probably hear a lot about similarities and maybe a little bit about differences. Um, so, so I'd like to kind of expand a little bit on the distinguishing features, if you like. So, so to each of the program directors, my next question is gonna be, how would you advise a, an applicant or a potential student who's uh, trying to figure out how to distinguish your program from the other choices uh, that are represented here. They're all finance, they're all professional programs, they're all at the master's level, um, but how would you distinguish them and help that potential applicant uh, make an informed decision about whether yours is the right one for them or, or perhaps one of the other ones? Professor Mondre, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, thank you. So look, let me start by saying that if you wanna do finance, uh, you should come to U of T. Like the four programs are great. They complement each other very well. So uh, now it's about a little bit, which program is the one that suits you well. So let me tell you a little bit what makes the, like the MFE special. Uh, so we have the unique curriculum. So like you take again, as I said, like MA courses in economics. So you take the macro, the micro, the econometrics, and then you take courses with MBAs at Rodman. Um, we have a large alumni networks. Basically, we have uh, 20 years of uh, worth of alumni. And basically now we have alumni that have reached uh, very top positions in the industry. So now like, you're able to have contacts at every stage of the, of, of the ladder, basically. So even once you are out of the program, basically you, you're gonna have a network to, to talk about, uh, to talk with alumni that have higher up positions. So like basically you, it's easier to seek for advice that maybe we cannot provide down the, down the road. Um, and I think that maybe the types of positions of our internships, uh, so we place the students in investment banking, we place the students in corporate banking, sales and trading, asset management and private equity. These are like the main five uh, types of jobs. So this might be different from the, the other programs. And let me give you some numbers. So like, I think that uh, having numbers is useful. So like last year we had 100% placement on the internship. This year, as of today, uh, 26 out of 29 students have already found their internship. So we're missing only three students that uh, are missing uh, an internship. And this is for the summer. So we still have like basically six, seven months to find them a job. So like these are incredible numbers. And about full-time job after graduation. So basically we have uh, 26 out of 28 students. So 93% of our students Last year, they found a job six months, basically starting six months after graduation. I think uh, we're very proud of these numbers. And uh, so, yeah, so that's a little bit about what makes our program special. Okay, thank you. Professor Seco, same thing. How would you help a potential applicant understand the distinguishing features of MMF and why MMF might be the perfect place for them for their graduate work in finance? Actually, the favorite, Part of this question for me is that if a student is, is, is trying to decide between the four programs at U of T, my first comment is good for you because <laughs> U of T is a very unique uh, university. We have this 360 degree approach to the financial sector. So if you're looking at U of T, you're already looking in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's number one. <clears throat> now, MMF, we are focused on the technology part of that circle. 
uh, we've been in doing that. It used to be quantitative um, um, analysis that we were focused on. It has evolved over time into, uh, into uh, technology, AI, machine learning, all of that. If you like that stuff, then very likely MMF is for you, but MFI is very strong on that too. The overlap between the programs is also very interesting. So um, from a risk management perspective, if you're looking at UFD, you're doing good, okay? I think your future is in very good shape. MMF, we stand for quantitative methods, technology, machine learning, and one more thing, entrepreneurship. It's the new um, course we have added to the program. Entrepreneurship skills is something that we I take very seriously. A lot of our uh, graduates now, earlier and earlier, want to create their own startups and want to help them with that too. Okay, thank you. Professor Irwin, same question. How would you help somebody who's a potential applicant uh, distinguish MFRM from the other three programs? Okay, well, one of the first things that I would say that distinguishes us and um, right up front is that the MFRM program is part of the Rotman School and the Rotman community. So many of you maybe have heard of Rotman or are aware of it. It's quite a, a large community. We have an awful lot going on and anybody who's in the MFRM program um, has all the facilities as well as all the extracurricular activities that are part of the Rotman School. Everyone, everything from our self-development lab to our, um, our financial innovation hub to our trading room. Those are all part of, it, of several of the courses as well as the availability and all the other 30-ish clubs that are part of, of the Rotman experience. It's more um, how much you wanna make yourself available to that. So that's sort of one of the key differences is that we're part of the Rotman School. I would say the other thing is um, we, because we have MFE and we only, we have one economics course, we are definitely much more focused on, on the finance and business than some of the other programs in that you know, we have Part of our classes besides a financial innovation course which is machine learning blockchain um, course we also have you know advanced derivatives uh, you know uh, financial investments and credit risk and all the different risk courses and of course financial a course on regulation in the financial sector because that's what we're about we're also a pre-experienced program which means i would say almost 50 percent of our students so not um, come right out of undergrad, having mostly had co-op or work or summer work experience for that group. We do have obviously some students who have more work experience, but, and I guess the other key thing that sort of separates us, we all obviously, as you've heard, have internships or, or summer experiences. Part of ours is it's, it's not just an internship, it's an actual project where you work on something very specific. And I guess the other thing is that we find it for you. Um, we, and besides working at a company during those nine weeks on a specific project, you also have a faculty mentor like myself or someone else who helps uh, you oversee that. So those are sort of some of the key differences that uh, I, I would say. Thanks, Alex. Okay, thank you. And Professor Jaimongo, last but not least, tell us about MFI. Sure. So, you know, being part of, our, our program is part of the Department of Statistical Sciences were under this umbrella. And that already puts a tilt in, in the approach and the content of the courses uh, in terms of the academic style of the courses. So they're tilted towards this probabilistic way of thinking and has a, a huge component that's data science, machine learning driven. There's over 
you know, 90 hours of formal training and case. And in addition, on top of that, there's case studies and so on that that's related to, to data science and, you know, AI, you know, by the way, that that reminds me, there's this, uh, I'm sure you've all seen this meme, where there's a crack on a wall, and says statistics, and then someone comes around and puts a nice frame around it and, and says data science. And now all of a sudden there's a crowd there and then they change it, cross it, cross it out and it goes AI. And now the room is completely packed. <laughs> so all of these terminologies, they're really just in some ways, uh, not entirely, but in some ways they're, they're, they're addressing on various concepts that's already there. But point is our program is, is founded in statistical sciences way of thinking. Uh, so I think that's one aspect that probably distinguishes it from, from a lot of the other programs. And so if you're more interested on, on how data science plays its role in, in modeling in the financial world uh, or the insurance world or in fintech, then this is probably the, the place that, that you would certainly look at very closely. As Louise mentioned, of course, though, any of these programs are going to be fantastic for you. If you're considering these programs there, it, it, this is a great place to be. The University of Toronto, it's it's world-class in many different directions. Okay, course, thank you. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add, add a couple of more small uh, small points. One one other distinguishing factor I'd say is that there's a, I don't know actually if the other programs have done this yet, but we have this equity award for underrepresented groups to try to increase and promote the diversity and inclusion in our program profile, because uh, you know those that come from quantitative background and they're interested in this, uh, there there tends to be a little bit of a bias in, in in the group representation, and so we've introduced this in order to increase that diversity. And placements, uh, as Jordi mentioned, uh, ours is perhaps a little bit different than than financial economics, but I would say that we have uh, people that students are are being placed. You know, 100% of our internships last year as well. We're in the process of placing internships. They're being placed in fintechs and banks, insurance companies, pension plans, consulting. So that's the spectrum that of, of um, placements that we're looking at. And I guess I'll stop there. Okay, thank you. So I'm gonna sum up in a very simplistic way, uh, far less eloquent than each of our four program directors and say this, um, each of these programs is, is at a great university, but they're under the umbrella of a specific part of the university. And I think that's not a bad place to start when you think about which one might be the right one for you. Um, in some sense, what do you love to do? Not just what are you already good at, but what do you love to do? And that may help influence how you think about which one of these is actually the right one for you. I think that's, that's probably not a bad place to start when you think about this. Not just where do you wanna go, but what do you love doing? Cause you're gonna be working for a long time. Best if you love what you're doing. Um, so with that, I'm going to move into my last question, and then we'll open the floor to, to our audience. Um, for each of you, the question I'm going to ask is, what kind of co-curricular supports and, and other opportunities uh, for professional development exist for the students in your program? So maybe I'll start with uh, Professor Seiko. Yes, um, so essentially four types of activities. First, we have industry uh, receptions. Uh, we run one or two a year. They become legendary. Many people show up and it's a great um, 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 event to, to, to get to know what the industry is, is talking about and thinking about. Of course, we have the MMF symposium that we organized on the non-COVID years at the, uh, in the slopes of the uh, Blue Mountain Ski Resort. We gather there for an extended uh, weekend and we attract uh, practitioners from all over the world. Our students get to see what is happening from a first row seat. We have uh, industry 
open houses where students get to see how companies work from the inside and what they're looking for. And then finally, we have um, a collection of industry events. Uh, for example, the one we do with CASA, which is the Canadian hedge fund industry, is also now a legendary. Actually, it's open to, we, we started uh, organizing that ourselves. Now we've opened it up to, to the world and many people, many students from other programs also show up there. So these are, these are the, the, the four types of, of, of events that we, that we do. We have um, also now online events that we've developed during the COVID years. We have MMF Global, which is um, a, um, a, it's, it's a one hour uh, interview with a recognized leader in the, the world that we, uh, it's, the, the, it's the origin of a series of podcasts that we have done that you can see from our, uh, on our website. And um, that's, you know, again, our, our approach to, to bringing students to, to, to the world of, of their professional careers from that perspective. Okay, thank you. Professor Jaimungo, same question. Sure, great. Yeah, so there, there's quite a, quite a few um, prongs to our co-curricular uh, attack, let's say. <laughs> so one is uh, we have a mentorship program that is actually just started last year in a, in a pilot version. And uh, it's now being developed or has been developed now with our in-house mentorship programs coordinator. We have presentation workshops, mock interviews from both our, our dedicated industry coordinator as well as industry professionals who come in and, and run these types of events to help prepare students for, for real interviews. As well, of course, uh, we have resume workshops, uh, information sessions from various firms, as well as focus sessions from individuals in those firms, panel discussions. There's a lot of networking events as well. There's uh, such as those at the Fields Institute where I run the quantitative finance seminar series. Uh, of course, there's also our, I think all the programs probably have some form of reception, which we, which, uh, which we also do. And this includes a number of industry faculty, alumni and current students to get them to interact. And one other aspect of co-curricular, which happens at the beginning, and I think maybe some of the other programs also do this, but uh, we offer a sequence of boot, boot camps just before the academic year begins to make sure that everyone is up to speed again in probability and stats and finance, insurance and Python, R and MATLAB. So those are in addition to the, to the regular academic year. Um, I think that more or less summarizes uh, what, what, uh, what we offer our students. Wow, thank you. Professor Seiko, over to you. Oh, so, sorry, but I apologize, I'm losing track. Professor Mandra, let me ask you. Oh, thank you. Um, so let me tell you what, uh, what admissions to the MFE program will look like. So basically once you accept, uh, once you get, a, uh, we get your acceptance into the program, uh, basically what you're gonna get from us basically almost immediately is basically a, a pile of material. So we're gonna start sending you material just after you accept. And basically starting uh, March, April, like just basically like just uh, a month after you accept, basically we're gonna start with student-led uh, training uh, during weekends. Uh, these are optional of course, but like basically like most students decide to do this. So that was uh, like an initiative led by our students uh, the MFE tools uh, this year, and we're gonna start doing this. Around May, June, you're gonna start having like one-on-one -on -one meetings with our placement director, uh, Jeff, which is, he's great, and um, prepared resumes. And then basically like you will always also be assigned a mentor. So you're gonna have another student mentor, an MFE mentor, who's gonna be a senior student 
just to like get to know a little bit how the university works, how the program works. So like basically like they form great relationships. And this is one of the nice things of having an 18 month program is that we have during one semester, we have like two cohorts of students that can interact with each other. And, and then basically like also like arrive June, we're gonna have a uh, July, basically we're gonna have a summer bootcamp. So basically like we're gonna have lots of interview preparation, uh, mock interviews, uh, lots of coffee chats. So we're gonna start introducing the network, uh, the alumni network to you. So basically you're gonna be having lots of lots of coffee chats with our students, I with our alumni. And also we, you're gonna have a financial economic course and math training camp. And then also during the summer, what we provide is basically we, we bring some top external vendors used by like uh, the financial industry, like uh, Marquee Group uh, to, to talk about accounting, coding, data management analysis. So yeah, so that's basically a little bit all the like professional development support that we have. So, yeah. Wow, thank you. I, I, when people talk about coffee chats, I'm always reminded of a former student who said, I had so many coffee chats, but there was so much talking, I never got to drink any coffee. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Professor Irwin, over to you for the last, uh, last question and uh, last program to, to chat on this. Sure. So as I alluded to earlier, the MFRM, Master of Financial Risk, is part of the Rotman School, which is, of course, rather a large, large institution. So we have a lot of events and things like that. But specific to the MFRM, one of the things that uh, we have is the Rotman Career Services, which is part of, of the MFRM. So we have roughly 20 people who are in our career services area whose sole function is to work with students and get them um, help them figure out where they want their career to be, but also to help develop them to get to that point. So for our students, a little bit like we just heard from MFE, you, uh, it starts with a resume, actually a one-page resume before, well, in August, before you start in September. And so there is a lot of career development all through the, uh, the program. Again, everything from mock interviews and coffee chats, but also, um, you know, how to do your, your two-minute elevator pitch all of that. So there's something every week, at least one thing through the whole 10 month period that goes around careers and help preparing students to make the move from being a student to a, a industry professional. Um, I mentioned before, of course, we have roughly 30 clubs at Rotman that um, students can participate in. The other thing that our students get some uh, quite involved in is, of course, case competitions, which are a way to one hone your presentation skills, but also the majority of the case competitions are, um, are run and judged by industry uh, professionals. So, uh, you know, they usually have a sponsor like the CIBC or TD or something like that, or an organization um, well, like the Risk Institute. So consequently, uh, many of our students get involved in doing those and it gives them exposure to industry and networking potentials. We also have a financial innovation hub, which has uh, two or three professionals who work there just in that to help students um, on um, basically, as all of us have talked about a little bit data science and FinTech and that. And of course, then we have the Rotman Trading Lab, which has roughly 80 trade, um, no, so finance lab, which has roughly 80 sort of trading stations. And we have a number of classes that do take place in there as well as students have access to that. Um, right now, a lot of it has been during COVID online, but also they have, uh, will have physical access to that um, where they can actually go 24-7 if they want. And then one of the last things we have is something called a self-development lab, where again, we have a group of staff who help students work on everything from presentation skills 
um, to you know how you stand when you're doing a presentation. Students can access that um, by directly. It's part of our program where we uh, videotape students and then they have sessions with our professionals from that area as, as well, just to kind of hone those skills. So that's sort of a general what I would say um, for the extracurricular. Our issue at Raman, as it's probably at the other programs as well, it isn't so much how if there's enough extracurricular activities, it's whether it's whether you have time to enjoy and get involved, but it's really up to the student and we encourage as much as possible. It's part of the experience of being at U of T first, and then of course for us at the Rotman School. Okay, thank you. So, so that brings me to the end of the formal questions. Um, we're happy to take questions from the audience. Uh, I think uh, I'll defer to Oriana whether she would rather people electronically raise their hand or put them in the chat. Um, but uh, I, certainly we encourage questions. Just, just a reminder though, that remember that each of these four programs, uh, MMF I think just had a, uh, an information session that was recorded. Uh, Oriana uh, has put in the, in the chat function, the information on how to access that recording as well as contact information for you know very nitty-gritty kind of questions for each of the four programs so uh, we open the floor but I think if it's super specific to one program uh, you may wish to avail yourself of the upcoming information sessions uh, but that doesn't mean we're discouraging any questions at all so Oriana would you rather people put questions in the chat or or put their hands up electronically or do you have a preference I guess I don't have any preference. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, uh, all the panelists for joining us today. The session was very informative. Um, I don't have any preference. So if you want to just like put your video on uh, and turn your mic on, uh, feel free to do so and ask any questions or if you rather have it in the chat box, um, that's also uh, good from us. So um, we're just gonna uh, wait and see if there are any questions coming through. Um, Okay, so we have one question in the chat box. Um, can I apply for more than one program at Rotman? Um, if you're um, applying to Rotman specifically, yes, you can apply to more than one program. Um, and I have Asik's um, raise her hand. Yes, Asik. Hi, so I did computer science and statistics for undergrad at the University of Toronto. So I do have a strong quantitative and data science background as well as programming experience. So my main career goal is to use data science and new methodologies to transform financial risk management. So I do have an interest in risk in particular, but I'm, that being said, I'm still trying to decide between the master finance master programs, the UFT. So uh, basing off of what uh, the academic directors said about comparing and contrasting the programs, what pro which program would you think would be the best fit for me? I'm just gonna, yeah, sorry, I'm gonna leap in. I think there's there's a bunch of candidates. So um, maybe the only one I'm tempted to eliminate is is MFE, but I think all of the other three are potentially the right place for you. So I'm gonna let, I can see Professor Seiko jumped in. So I'm gonna let you go first and uh, try and help with this question. Like I said earlier, you're in good shape, okay? Uh, if you have to choose between the three programs, and by the way, your degree at U of T is going to be very valuable uh, to for your career and what you're what you're aiming to do. A, lo a lot of students like like you come to our program, 
And uh, if you're interested in risk management, we do that too. We've been doing risk management training since for 20 years. In fact, I that was the course I used to teach. I taught risk management when the program started in 1998. Now it's taught by a group of people from the Bank of Nova Scotia. It's taught by practitioners. So you will find that there, but you will find lots of, also lots of other things in our program that may be of interest to you. Uh, if, if you're interested in going beyond uh, risk management, or if you're looking at risk management in other sectors like like banking or asset management, right? Um, that That's us. Uh, uh, I mean, I uh, you will hear other answers from other programs that, that they focus specifically on risk management, and they may be better for you from uh, that perspective. My advice to you is look at the courses that are offered in each of the programs and see your level of attraction to the whole package. Okay, because some of our other programs are more um, broad than others. Others are more focused on certain things. And I suggest you make your decision that way. But for, for us from MMF, uh, we are we're fairly, fairly diverse as we approach uh, finance risk management uh, from a uh, quantitative and technological perspective. Okay, thank you. Professor Jai Mungo, is there anything you wanted to add to what uh, Professor Seiko said? Uh, well, I, I'll just reiterate that. I, I think it, it sounds like your background is, is great for, for perhaps even all of these programs, but really take a close look at what the course offerings are and look at the nature of those course offerings. Uh, so, you know, one, actually one distinction, for example, with ours, our program versus the others, which I, I think is a, a clear distinction. So we have full length courses as opposed to more modular style courses. There's only a few mod modular style courses. So that's one thing to look at. And, and it really, just look at the program in detail and see what is it that, that, that draws you? What is it that makes you feel, ah, I love this. Go for that. But diversify too, right? <laughs> it, it's probably not, not, not a bad thing to apply to more than one. Okay, thank you. Uh, Professor Irwin, anything you want to add uh, to, to sure. what's already The only thing I would add is um, look at, I mean, I, you might not know what you want to do, but also look at sort of where the students end up um, and what kind of jobs they have. And most of us have that uh, posted on our, uh, on our website. So if you actually want to work in, let's say, financial risk, then, you know, MFRM is maybe for you. If you want to do, for example, um, get into the portfolio management side, which I, as an ex-finance um, capital markets person, I would say it's quite difficult right out of university, but um, to actually go right into portfolio management from the MFRM, for example, is, is, is not that common. Um, so I think you need a little bit, it would be helpful if you thought a little bit more what, where the students actually go and you can get that by looking at our website or even talking to existing talking to students that have graduated, because I think that will help you as well make that decision. Okay, thank you. I'm, I can see there's another hand up, but I'm just gonna take a couple of the ones from the chat. Um, one person asked whether it's possible to apply simultaneously to master's programs and PhD programs. So I'm gonna provide a little bit of a generic answer and then in case anybody wants to step in and, and give something more specific. Generally speaking, perhaps especially with professional master's programs, they aren't explicitly designed as stepping stones toward doctoral research. And so it would be uncommon for sure with the MFRM, it would be uncommon and perhaps very unlikely to apply to MFRM and also to apply to the doctoral program in finance at the Rotman School. Um, I'm, I'm gonna let uh, other people weigh in if I've misspoken with respect to each of their programs, but, but generally speaking, professional master's programs are not 
designed as stepping stones towards research careers uh, at a higher level. Anybody? Yeah, I was yeah, watching I'll, people nod and just wondering whether anybody, uh, yeah, uh, Professor John. Oh, yeah, I'll just jump in. So, so indeed, they're not designed. I would say our, certainly our program is not designed as a stepping stone, although it happens. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's the exception rather than the, rather than the rule. Uh, but um, there's nothing in, there's nothing that prevents one from applying to both the master's, uh, any master's, whether it's professional or not, and a PhD program. It, it's certainly allowable by the rules. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think that's generally, that's right. I would, you're right. It's not, it's, it's not unheard of. It's just certainly not the common path toward doctoral research in each, in each of these uh, sub-disciplines of finance. Um, another question from the chat, just quickly, as someone asked, what's the admission rate for each of the four programs? Uh, so I, I don't know if you actually want to reveal that or whether, you know, something of the nature of what's the cohort size. And, and perhaps how many applications you get. Anyway, up to you how you want to answer that, but that was a question from the chat. Uh, so Professor Seiko, do you want to tackle that? Yeah, we have an admission rate of 6%, uh, 500 applications and 30 students. Okay, Professor Mandra? So we, uh, we have a cohort of uh, 27 students. Uh, I don't know exactly the rate. I'm guessing that we are about eight, seven, eight percent of acceptance rate. Okay, thank you, Professor Irwin. We have um, this year. We have sixty-five students in the class, and we have about uh, seven or eight percent as well in terms of the students that get in that have applied. Professor Jaimungo. Sure. Yeah, our program's been growing. So we started off with ten. We're now in sixty. Year we have actually 31 this year, uh, the cohort size. And the rate is around, I think it's closer to around seven to 10% in terms of the acceptance rate. Um, but I'd like to remind everyone that's thinking to apply, this is not a lottery, right? It's not like you just put your thing in the hat and you're gonna have one yeah. in 10 chance or one in you know 6% yeah. chance of getting into the programs. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And, and what I think what you've also signaled is, uh, uh, as we've all said, it, these are top-notch programs at a top-notch in institution, and the cohort that you're going to end up in is going to be of some pretty wonderful people in that cohort. Um, so, so all good. Uh, what, one more question in the chat before I take uh, the person with their hand up. Uh, is, this is specific to MFE regarding MA economics electives and classes. Typically strong math background is required for an economics master's class. Would these math classes be mandatory for certain electives or would intermediate advanced economics classes suffice? Professor Mandra? So, yeah, so intermediate and advanced economics classes, if you've done well in those classes, you're gonna do well in the program. Those ones are typically like, especially like at U of T or at a good undergrad uh, with a good, um, good bachelor degree, um, those use the math that is required for the master's level. Um, uh, you can take later on, like also like as electives, if one wants, students are allowed to take PhD classes. And for those ones, uh, for those ones, uh, I would approve them if you have like a more advanced math, but like just like the standard uh, uh, MA electives, like as long as you have intermediate or advanced economics classes, you should be okay. Okay, thank you. Um, we have one person with their hand up. So I'm gonna turn the floor over to you to ask your question. 
Oh, hi, um, Alex. Thanks for holding this panel and thanks professors to share the insights of each specific program. Because I'm a US applicant, so I studied um, my undergrad um, at UC Santa Barbara and uh, majoring in financial stats and math. And for the MFE program, because I, I read on the website, you have the minimum GMAT requirement to indicate the candidate's quantitative skill. Because I'm a math and stats student, so can I prove my gym, uh, like quant skills um, by providing the scores in my core math and stats courses? Because, um, because the GMAT, uh, you know, under pandemic, many exam center closed. So can I waive the GMAT? And also, I want to ask the GMAT requirement for the other three programs because I'm also interested in the other three programs. Thank you. Okay. I think this is for me. Uh, I, I'm not sure too well about the rules. I think that you should actually like email the MFE admissions. Uh, my I, my guess is that I think it's a required uh, the GMAT for uh, international students, so I don't think we can waive that. But like I'm just uh, this is my my initial answer, not final answer. Okay. Okay. I have already sent like emails to the MFE admission, but uh, I didn't hear from them back yet. So I will wait for the answer. Yeah, we will reply. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Thank okay. You. Thank you. And a related question, I think, was. Uh, what is, is there a GMAT requirement for admission to each of the other three programs? And if yes, what does it look like? Okay, Professor Seiko shaking his head. Professor Jaimongo shaking his head. Professor Irwin, um, I don't. For, for the MFRM, there is not a requirement for a GMAT. Um, that being said, some students do. It really depends where you're coming from and what your background is on whether the GMAT will help you um, or not. Certainly, for some international students. I would say actually outside of North America, it does help us because it's kind of a standard uh, thing, but we do not require it. Okay, thank you. Um, we have one question in the chat uh, from somebody who is a, a more a senior person or would be a more senior student in the cohort, has a CFA background, working in portfolio management, uh, and asks whether that background, that uh, rather enhanced experience, rather perhaps rather the, the typical applicant would be viewed negatively. This person is particularly interested in both MFE and MFRM. Any thoughts, Professor Mundry or Professor Irwin? Uh, I can go, I can uh, give that, uh, that advice. So basically, uh, for someone more senior, like we, we would have two questions that we'd like to see in the application. So one is like, what do you think the like? Why do you think you need this program? Uh, uh, we're we're happy to accept like, and we normally accept like half uh, more senior people in the class because uh, they they bring something special to the class. They bring this experience that is very good uh, to the class. But like, we want to know, okay, like, why do you think this program is good for you? And the other one is whether. Uh, we want to see also in the application if 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 you'd be able to uh, to handle the quantitative part of the course. So uh, because that's a concern for like students that have been out of basically of their undergrad for many years, whether like they come here, like we want every student to succeed, right? So uh, and because there is such a quant, um, it, it's the program is very quantitative. We want to see in the application that uh, basically like the, the applicant would be able to. Uh, to pass all these courses. So. 
Okay, thank you, Professor Irwin. Yeah. Um, I would say actually the same thing is what Professor Mondra said, but uh, very specifically, what is your goal after the program? Um, we, MFRM, as I said earlier, is a pre-experience program. So I would say the age of our students is certainly um, you know, 22, 23 kind of thing. And we are setting up for more of an entry level um, risk, financial risk job. Um, so that being said, it really depends on what your objective is with this, as well as everything that uh, Professor Mondry said about in terms of being able to take the quantitative level and programming and all of those things. So I would just encourage you to contact us directly and we can uh, look at that some more. Okay, thank you. Professor Sega, we have a question in the chat specifically for MMF. Um, does the program admit students who come from commerce programs or is it more tailored to people coming from technical disciplines? So my answer is uh, we have had uh, occasionally students from commerce programs, but it's not the norm. Usually we get students for, uh, for more uh, technical disciplines. The commerce students that came into the program is because they did supplementary work uh, acquiring some uh, technology skills uh, outside of their program. Okay, thank you. Um, there is a question in the chat, again, related to uh, MFE, and the, it's a GMAT-specific question. So uh, with apologies to the person who asked the question, uh, based on Professor Mondria's earlier answer, I'm going to skip over it and say if it's really GMAT-specific and when and if GMAT can be waived, uh, that you're, you're, a better strategy would be to directly email the admissions people for the MFE program. So uh, if I've misspoken, but I'm going on Professor Mondria's earlier answer to, to skip over that one. Um, we have a question specific for MFRM and Professor Irwin, as someone who's very interested in the program, doesn't have very strong uh, computer programming skills, uh, that you had mentioned a boot camp during the summer. Uh, can you talk more about that? What kind of topics would be included and so on? I'm, I'm just going to preempt slightly and say that I'm pretty sure there's quite a lot of information on the website about that. So I would certainly encourage people to seek detail there, but maybe Professor Irwin, can you add a little bit of color? Sure, I'll just do it briefly. We have um, the, the, the month-long online um, courses in Python to introduce you know, Python and the basic coding skills from that. So that is what it actually is about for that particular coding um, one. So, Okay, thank you. Uh, we have a question directed to both MFE and MFRM. Uh, noting that there are specific intermediate macroeconomics and financial accounting courses listed as admission requirements. Uh, if you didn't complete those specific courses as part of your undergraduate degree, uh, are you still eligible to apply? And if not, what can you do to fulfill them? So uh, Professor Irwin, I think already covered the answer when she was speaking. There are admission requirements specific to uh, past background, academic background, but if you don't have them, there is a way to uh, use available materials that, that the program is provided, do a little bit of self-study and then a qualifying exam so that that condition is waived. Uh, but I don't think I know the answer regarding intermediate, intermediate macroeconomics with respect to MFE. So I'm gonna turn that over to Professor Mondria. Yes, same uh, here. So the, these, uh, we can waive those, uh, those requirements. So, and we, we've actually, we do it every year. So we always accept someone that doesn't have any economics training uh, into the program. Uh, so yeah, so it's, this is that easy to waive. Uh, we just wanna see that you, you have uh, uh, some other characteristics that will bring, that will complement the rest of the class, but yeah. Actually, 
Alex, just one thing, just to be clear, we don't waive the requirement. It's that you can take an online course that Raman provides and then write a qualifying exam for our four prerequisites. So you don't have to have them ahead of time to apply. We would make your acceptance conditional on you completing those um, online prerequisites, one, two, three, or four by roughly the middle, uh, the beginning of July. Right, and then the condition is waived once you've demonstrated that knowledge. Right. Right, yeah, okay, I just, yeah, that's right. Thanks for clarifying. Um, I confess this question, I'm not sure if I'm understanding completely. So I'm gonna read it uh, and, and uh, if other people can jump in, great. But if not, we may have to go back to the question asking person for clarification. This is someone who's interested in finding a work position after their undergraduate degree. Is there a way for them to demonstrate uh, continual interest and demonstrate pursuit in the area? They're an actuarial science student interested in fintech and data science. So that sounds sort of MMF, MFI-ish. I'm afraid I'm not sure I understand the question either. <laughs> no, I'm wondering me, if maybe- can, can yeah, Okay, question, so maybe the, if the person who asked that question yeah. is still here, maybe uh, could they unmute and ask or, or type in clarification into the chat? Otherwise, I'm just gonna quickly go on to the next one in the interest of, I'm watching the clock. So, oh, there you are, hi. Hi. Hi, um, I just, what I meant was because actuarial science program, undergrad program at U of T is not that technically like, um, we don't have a CS focus, not necessarily. Um, we did update the program this year to add the machine learning and CSC 108 into the module, but it's not necessarily based on data science. Um, and because I plan to enter the workforce, so I plan to, work in the field for like a year or two and I want to come back, is there a way to demonstrate my interest in data science in this area? Or like, um, would that be, um, you know, a bad step for me in that kind of a sense? Because I know okay. the actuarial science field right. is not that uh, technically demanding. I don't know how well, to. Okay, now now I now I understand your question. I, I, well, I would I would caveat what you said about it not being technically. Yeah. You, your perce your perception is that it's not as technically strong as as something else. But actually, I mean, I, I'm I'm familiar with our undergraduate degree in actuarial science. If if you're a University of Toronto student or Waterloo student for that matter. And there is a significant amount of statistical probability uh, training in there. Indeed, you don't have as much programming as a computer science student, but at least for our program, MFI, we're not looking for that. We're looking for people who have more of a strong quantitative training, which is what I presume you would have. And this programming side of things, you can always pick, you know, pick it up, right? You can train yourself. On, on the programming aspects. And there's there's so many resources out there. If you felt that you were going to go into the workforce and then come back to apply to our program after a year or after two years, that's that's perfectly fine. We've we've have several people that that come in after a couple of years. When it starts going beyond five years, as was discussed earlier, uh, for someone who is who is much more senior in applying, then it becomes more tricky, right? Then you need to really demonstrate that you still have the technical skills when you when you come in the program but after a year or two it's usually not an issue you can you know you can do some sort of certificate if you wish to 
to say, okay, now I have a stamp of approval. I can program in Python, but it's not, it's not going to be a, a huge advantage. It's really more the other stuff that we're interested in. And we have boot camps that train you in this as well as, you know, MFRM has it. I'm sure MMF has uh, variations of this as well and, and MFE. So hopefully that answers the question. Oh, that does answer the question. Thank you. Professor Sego, uh, you're nodding. Was there anything you wanted to add or? No, all good. Was, no, was, was perfect. Sebastian, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, we have a question asking each of the four programs, is there any specific tech skills, uh, specifically software programs that would be required uh, for admission? Well, spinning off what I just said, it's not required for you to have any computer science uh, specific training, although it's of course always useful. We will train you in, in programming in Python and R and, and MATLAB, uh, but uh, it's not, you're not required to have sort of a, a minor in computer science, if you will. Okay, Professor Irwin? Um, the same thing, our emphasis is on Python. It certainly helps because it's hard to hit the ground running to the same extent, but it is not a requirement. Hence the month long, um, you know, it's only four to eight hours a week um, in, in that month to learn Python uh, ahead of, before the program starts. We encourage students to, as much as they can to get started early on it and not just wait for that, but it's not a prerequisite, no. Thank you. Professor Mandra? Yeah, same here, like the answer, it's, uh, there's no requirement. Professor Seiko, anything to add? No, not really. I mean, we don't follow an algorithm uh, to detect yeah. what your background preparation is. We just look at your file. Okay. Um, we have a question for MFRM and MFI related to the placement rate of graduates. Uh, Professor Irwin? Sure. And um, in this COVID year, for, so for example, the class that graduated at the end of June, we are at currently at 81%. So we're roughly three and four months post finishing school. Um, Pre-COVID, we uh, were at uh, closer to 95% by the six month mark. So we're at roughly about 81% right now after the three and a half month mark. Thank you. And Professor Jaimangal, since it was the question was targeting specifically MFRM and MFI, I'm passing it to you next. Sure, yeah. So I don't have the numbers for this year because our, our class in fact just finished our, our 2021 cohort. They completed their program in September. Uh, so it's only been, I guess it's a couple of months now. Uh, I don't, I think we, if you want those numbers specifically come to our MFI information session and when we'll have it. Previous years, it's, it's been exceedingly high. Uh, most, most internships get turned over into some kind of continuing position as well. Uh, so I'll say that. And in previous years, it's been in, in, in excess of 95% as well within six months of the program. But for this current year, I, I don't have that number. Okay, thank you. Uh, and we have a question for both MFE and MFRM. I'm going to paraphrase slightly. It's essentially, when will we know if we got accepted or not? Is there Are there rolling admissions or is it... Uh, sort of everybody gets to know at the same time on whatever date that is. Professor Mondrian? Yeah, so for the MFE, uh, we will send admission decisions at the end of January. Now, having said that, if uh, we're able to make offers earlier, if you have been offered acceptance into a different program. So basically, if you, if you have been accepted to another program, 
and you think that the MFE would be like a competitive program, then please send us an email. And basically within a week, we will like make a decision on your case. So like I encourage every student uh, to do that. So like, this is a very common practice in, uh, in, um, in applications, in graduate applications. So please, like if you get accepted into one program and you are interested in, the other, in another program, then like send a note saying, okay, I've been accepted into this program and then like let the, the other program react. So, yeah. Okay, thank you. Professor Irwin? So we have three um, deadlines for applications and I guess the term you use, we have a rolling um, acceptance program. We have already started interviewing from the first round. Um, we will be making off for first round of offers though we make offers all year uh, or roughly to the end of March or April. Um, but we will start making offers for the first round in probably in the next two to three weeks. Is that correct, Oriana? Okay. okay. Yes, it is correct. Thank you. And I'm just watching the clock. So uh, uh, last question for everybody. Um, it, it, the question, the person asking the question asks, uh, any interview tips? Uh, what types of questions are going to be asked in the interviews for each of these programs? Uh, do you have any interview tips you're willing to share? Uh, Professor Mondria? Yeah, so the, the tip I would give to students is to start uh, to, to follow the news. Uh, yeah. One of the th most surprising things uh, is that when you talk to many students, they, they don't follow the news, they don't follow the market. So if you want to get into finance, the one thing that you have to start doing now in a daily basis is to start following the news and like start following the market. So uh, these are like this, yeah. Like this is the like the, the best tip I can give you. Okay, Professor Seiko. Well, I, I can give a lot of advice uh, as to how to build a good professional career. Like for example, follow the news. But our interview specifically, no, we don't follow an algorithm. So uh, we just uh, want to make sure that you are made for the program. So. Okay, thank you, Professor Irwin. Any tips? Sure, I would say. Um, in terms of the more you can find out a little bit about, about the program is, is helpful. Also in terms of why you'd want to do the program. So we, uh, I would certainly, you know, try and look into what kind of job you would hope to get after the program is helpful. So you have a better idea of what the program can do for you and what it can set you up for. So that was sort of the, one of the uh, interview tips that I would say is why do you want this program? and what do you hope it will give you in the end? So doing some research either through um, obviously reading the, our, um, our website as well as potentially if you have the opportunity to talk to any students that have already graduated is, is, can be quite helpful in you having a better understanding of what the program is about. Thank you. Professor Jaimungal, any, any interview tips? Yeah, it's a tough question in a sense, <laughs> because then you don't want to spill away what, what exactly you go for in these interviews. But uh, like uh, Luis mentioned, there's not an, a particular algorithm that we can say, here, follow this and you're going to do great in the interview. Come prepared, you know, know what you're talking about, be able to talk about technical things in either in a detail or just in general. Know something about the markets, know, know your resume, of course, uh, but I, I don't really think I can give any any more specifics than this. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you. Um, as someone who's done a lot of interviewing for master's level programs in the past, I would summarize it this way. Um, what the interview is supposed to find out is, is this the right program for you? And are you right for this program? Do we, should you be a member of this cohort? And is this actually gonna be a good place for you? And so think about it from both sides of the fence and go in you know, ready to talk about why you would be a great member of this cohort and it's exactly where you should be. So with that, I, I, I think we've run out of questions. I wanna thank each of our four panelists for taking time today uh, to help our audience better understand uh, what the compare and contrast across these great programs. And I will echo what each of them said. At the end of the day, uh, you can study finance at the master's level at the University of Toronto very successfully in any one of these, three, of these four programs. The question is, which one's the right one for you? Uh, and so we hope we've helped you have a better understanding of how to make that decision and how to choose. Uh, and, uh, and I encourage you to either listen to the recording of the, uh, the information session from MMF or to attend any one of the information sessions for the other, four, other three. And of course, there is the information about how to contact for more specific information about each program and of course, go to their website. So thank you, everybody. Uh, enjoy your day and uh, thank you for attending. Bye for now.